Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. The more you know about how to do your own financial analysis of property, how things work, how risks work, be able to see that is going to give you an enormous leg up on being able to pick the right investments to go into. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily Real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today, Tilden Moschetti. How are you doing, Tilden? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here and talking to you and your listeners. Well, I'm glad to hear it. And a little bit about Tilden, then we'll get into it. Tilden is the managing partner of Moschetti Syndication Law Group, which is a boutique syndication law firm. They've got two offices, one in Raleigh, North Carolina, and one in sunny Los Angeles, California. They have been focusing on syndication for eight years and been a law firm for 19 years. So the first question I have for you, Tilden, is why the double down on the focus with syndication eight years ago? Sure. So before that, I was practicing primarily in real estate litigation. So litigation as a 
world that's very unhappy. It's a world where there's a lot of fighting. And it was always taking things down and breaking things apart and destroying the other side. And uh, it did not make for a lot of sleepful nights. So that was my practice. And I didn't even know what really real estate syndication was until a partner of mine said, hey, look at this deal here. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's a pretty good deal. And he said, well, let's syndicate it. So I didn't really know exactly what he meant, other than I'd heard about it. So we proceeded to put that together. So are you a securities attorney? I am. I fashion myself as an ex-real estate attorney. I don't really practice in the real estate law side anymore. It's primarily in securities and really just in Regulation D is where my practice is. And we'll get into Regulation D in a moment so that everyone's aware of what that entails. Is it less exciting now over the last eight years than the first 11? no. No, it's a lot more exciting. I love looking at deals. It's not only real estate we do. We also do businesses and even sometimes cryptocurrencies. And I get to hear a ton of new ideas. And just about when you've heard every way to structure a real estate deal, and someone will come in and be like, I'm going to do this. Okay, that's pretty (laughs) neat. So you can do that. And so to be a part of that is really exciting. Regulation D, you said you focus on that. Will you elaborate on what that is for non-legal people? Sure. The shortest summary is everything that's a security needs to be registered with the SEC unless there's an exemption. One of those exemptions is Regulation D, which says you can raise an unlimited number of dollars from these kinds of investors as long as you follow these kinds of rules. If you follow those rules, then it's not deemed to be a public offering. It's deemed to be a private offering which means you do not need to register it with the SEC. So it's much more abbreviated, and it makes access to capital much easier. And does 506B and 506B and C offerings fall under Reg D? Yeah, they're part of Regulation D, and everything falls in really under those two. And the other rules that are within Regulation D really are adjuncts. There's also Rule 504, but nobody really does those anymore because Regulation C and B are so good. Okay. You said often you get surprised. What about if we structure a deal this way and it's a dynamic situation? Will you talk about some interesting structures that you've seen for how real estate deals have been set up? Sure. A lot of it comes from both the increase of technology and these things as well as some of the newer ideas, like we now have short-term rentals is a major topic. A lot of my clients are doing short-term rentals and different ways that they're thinking of packaging them. I can't really go into too many specifics on how they're packaging them, but there have been some really creative ideas that really have been eye-opening. I was like, oh yeah, or some ideas of just something that a lot of people are doing now is they're taking old hotels and converting them into multifamily, or they're taking large houses and converting those into shared housing and turning those into syndicated deals are pretty exciting new ways to fund these things to change the way that people are living, working, and shopping. Okay. So that's interesting. Whenever I heard you mention the structuring new deals, I was thinking from a legal standpoint, but you were talking about more of a business model 
where yeah. you know, maybe you're, you're renovating hotels and tr- converting it into multifamily or renovating office and converting into multifamily or yeah exactly um, and I, I see what you were doing there a lot so a lot of people get really latched on to the legal side of it and it's interesting and we're going to do an llc versus an escort or whatever mm-hmm. it is but at the end of the day what everybody who's putting these deals together wants is they want to put together a deal that makes them money that makes their investors money so they can do the next deal and to let the process work itself out so we'll make sure that you're structured right and that if it's llc's is appropriate then we'll do that all those little nuances is really why you hire a lawyer in the first place to take care of those details and you definitely need to be involved but they're not really the important thing to work on, which is working with investors, finding good deals. Well, let's talk about, from a legal standpoint, some mistakes or some misconceptions that clients of yours come to you with for what they think they can do or what maybe they think they can't do, but they can. Biggest one I hear almost every day, well, this is our first syndication. We've done this before with friends and family. <laughs> And so we didn't need to... Illegally. <laughs> it's like, well, you do. It's it's still a security. And it's really hard to go back and unwind that clock. So that's a big one. The other is, well, I can just get well, a template and put things together that way. Let's talk about that first one. Then let's sure. talk about the second Absolutely. one. So with the first one, if memory serves me correct, it is a security if others are expecting a return based on your expertise and they are passive. I probably, okay. So that's, I mean, that's that's really the, those are the two key elements for syndicators of the Howie test, which was the big Supreme court case. So these are the four elements to be a security and that's expectation of profit. If you're doing a nonprofit and not expecting to get your money back, not a security SEC is not conservative and you're relying on the work product of another. So the syndicator is the one putting the deal together, making the decisions. Most of the time, those investors are all passive. That immediately makes it a security. What are the other two? I don't know. We never (laughs) Never talked. Never never have to worry about them because they're always taken up. Fair enough. Let's see. Investment of money, common enterprise, expectation of profit. Well, we kind of combine them. The common enterprise. So they're putting it into the same thing. And it's an investment of cash. Like if you're investing something that's not cash, it probably doesn't apply. Except if it has some sort of overwhelming value. Like if occasionally somebody will do some sort of 1031 operation where they're getting the 1031 in and exchange. But really, that's cash that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. It's still going in. Or they're dedicating the property to it. But it's still probably a security there. It's probably close enough to cash. Why can't we use a template? You can. What you're getting when you hire a lawyer is you're getting the insurance policy that you're going to be compliant. So using a template is like going out there without that insurance policy and basically hoping that everything works right. We spend a lot of time going through all the things that need to be disclosed, all the conflicts, all those things that are necessary that an investor really needs to know. And then we back that up with our expertise and not underwriting, but sort of a sign-up, which gives the syndicator confidence that they're going to be compliant. 
So using a template, you don't get any of that there. You're just basically putting in what worked for somebody else, and it might be okay, but chances are there's going to be something that isn't there that should be, and possibly that thing will be very important. Perhaps you should have disclosed this thing and you didn't know to, or perhaps you needed to describe this use of funds better about how we're going to be spending it or about how marketing fees work or all those things could suddenly be missed. And that could change everything from, okay, we're going to be fine. Even if we were to get sued to nothing's going to be fine and everything will fall apart. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. Everyone is looking for a recession-resilient investment. How can you try to prevent from losing money by picking the wrong fund and sponsor? Right now, you can get Reliant Real Estate Management's free guide, 10 Things to Consider in a Real Estate Investment Fund, by visiting besteverreliant.com. Answer questions like, is the organization's focus on you? And does the fund keep employees? Reliant Real Estate Management is ranked one of the top 20 largest self-storage operators in the country with one billion dollars in self-storage assets. After completing three funds and selling 38 properties with zero dollars of investor principal loss, they have an average project level IRR of 33% in just over 3.5 years. Visit besteverreliant.com right now to receive the 10 things to consider in a real estate investment fund and get access to their latest investment opportunities. That's besteverreliant.com, B-E-S-T-E-V-E-R-R-E-L-I-A-N-T.com. And in court, ignorance is not a defense, correct? Ignorance is never a defense in this. And ultimately, I think a lot of syndicators, because I think everyone, I certainly charge up front. I think all of my peers and all of my competitors charge up front. The thing that gets missed is that ultimately your investors are paying for it, but it really is a syndicator's insurance policy at the end of the day. So it protects them. Ultimately, it's being paid for by the investors. Why wouldn't you do it? Mm -hmm. And it's not only the legal documents, but it's also filing them, right? It's also making sure that the Form D gets filed, that the states get notified. And like what my firm does, I do a lot of deals. And I do deals for myself because I still syndicate. And I do a lot of deals, obviously, for clients. So I know what everybody's charging in terms of fees. I know what normal structures look like. And I'm happy to make sure that my clients are successful. So I love it when they come and call me and say, well, what should we do about this situation? Because I know that's just putting them that much closer to a successful finish line. And you get that at no additional cost. It's just part of what we do is our package. Let's talk about the normal fees for getting these documents done with an attorney and the follow-through process plus some consultation. What is that fee range? I would be surprised if syndicator could find it for less than $10,000. They go up from there. It's based a lot of times more on the size of the firm than on anything else. When you go to a very large firm, like you go to one of the huge national law firms, you're going to pay a huge amount. You're going to pay 50, 60, 70, $80,000. But you don't need that level. And what you really need is a more boutique level, like a small office that just does these. 
and doesn't have to feed a lot of people. So the giant law firms all need to feed a lot of people and they really do a good job, but you don't need that. You need somebody who does this regularly. So you're looking at a range anywhere from 10 on the very, very low end. And I don't really even know anybody who's charging that probably to maybe 30 at the top end somewhere. Mm-hmm. In there. Okay. And then the normal structures, what are the normal structures that you've seen? And I assume you were referring to the shadow partner and how uh, he or she structures the deals for their investors. Almost everybody, they're a set of LLCs. They have two entities I like to call the investment entity, and that's the entity your investors put money into that ultimately own the asset or assets. And then that is being managed by a sponsor entity which is what your syndicator controls. So they're the ones in control of that, and they manage that investment through that sponsor entity. When you are working with clients, what's a scenario that you can share that you were presented where the client was in a tough spot and he or she came to you and you had to try and fix it or help defuse the bomb? Sure. Typical tough spots that are complicated, especially like a 1031. I've got this investor who wants to give me a large sum of money, but they have to do it in a 1031 exchange. It's doable. It's really challenging. And I wouldn't advise doing it on a small scale or trying to do it on a small scale. And if they're trying to invest 500000 it might be worth it. If they're trying to invest 10000 absolutely not. So you'll need a syndication attorney to take care of that piece of it. But at the same time, the investor will need their own 1031 attorney to make sure that they don't blow their taxes. And then there will probably need to be a real estate attorney as well to make sure that the tenant common agreement works appropriately. You're taking a round peg square hole because the world of title and that world of real estate and the world of securities are very different things. And the way that we think about things and the way that things fit together just are different. So it's pretty seamless when it's a single property and everybody's investing cash. But when the 1031 is involved and the IRS is there, you got to make sure you got everything covered. High level, how do you structure that? Most of the time, it's through ticks tenant in common. So there'll be two tenant in common. For example, if you had one investor, there'd be a tenant in common that is the investor and a tenant in common that is the rest of the syndication. Then there will be a tick agreement between the two tenant in commons about how things will work. And most of the time we'll also bring that investor in that's doing the tenant in common in underneath the investment entity as a different class of ownership. So that way there's still a conduit for paying of fees and things like that. But it gets more challenging in terms of making sure that distributions happen right. It gets very complicated very, very quickly. What's something that we haven't talked about that you think we should? I think the most important thing is syndication is great. You wouldn't have the show if you didn't think so too. I think that what people who want to get started in syndication need to do is they need to think about what I call the founder investment theory. They need to think about what it is that they're presenting to investors and how are they showing up. 
So what makes them different from everybody else that's putting together a deal? Why should an investor say yes to this particular sponsor and no to all the others? So that goes from property type, expertise, what kind of risk model that they're typically using, and how they present themselves is important in that too. How that fits in with legal is that's how you show up. So when you show up with a really good looking PPM, you've got a really good pitch deck, which isn't something we do, but it's something that's important. That all just tells the investor you're for real, you should be trusted, and you're going to take good care of their money rather than just showing up expecting everything to work out. Taking a step back, based on your experience, both as a legal mind and also a real estate investor, what is your best advice ever for real estate investors? Learn to underwrite your own deals. So learn to underwrite everything. The more you know about how to do your own financial analysis of a property, how things work, how risks work, be able to see that is going to give you an enormous leg up on being able to pick the right investments to go into, whether it's being syndicated, because you'll know when the things have been put together right or not, to just finding a deal that you're going to own for yourself. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Sure, let's do it. All right. What's the best ever deal that you've personally done? A development deal in California that did a 45% return in one year. Wow. Is that project level or net to investors, if you had any? That was to investors. Wow. That's amazing. You were a general partner on that? Yeah. Bravo. What was the business model? The ground up development of a retail pre-leased property. Over what period of time? So just over one year so we could... Uh, wow. In and out. Yep. What deal have you lost the most amount of money on? And how much? I've never lost money on that deal, fortunately. I will one day. Uh, <laughs> I've lost sleep on deals. <laughs> I haven't lost money. <laughs> What's the best ever way you like to give back? I give back regularly. My job is part of how I give back. I like to invest in my clients invest my time. I really, really do like them quite a bit. I don't take clients that I don't like, so I want to over-deliver. I love entrepreneurship. I love people making money and helping other people make money. I think it's great. And how can the best of listeners learn more about what you're doing? Probably the best way is on my website, www.muschettilaw.com, M-O-S. C-H-E-T-T-I law.com. Well, thank you so much for sharing your expertise on securities law, on the common structures that you've seen, and on some common mistakes that you hear apparently very frequently, one of which is that, well, this is the first time I'll be doing a syndicated deal. Eh, no, you've been doing them all along. You just haven't right. properly put it together and registered it. And so yep. hopefully that helps out some listeners who have that thought process now and they will uh, course correct so that they Absolutely. don't get in trouble. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have the best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you.